Welcome to Found in Space, a science podcast for kids and teens. Maya has a really fun question for us today. It's going to let us dig into some planetary science, and that is, why are planets in space? Well, the short answer is gravity. But let's talk about the long answer. So let's start with, well, what is a planet? Now, our understanding of what a planet is has changed a lot over the years. So when we talk about how we classify or group things, we're talking about taxonomy. So taxonomy is how we categorize. Now, let me give you an example. It used to be that all of the things that lived in the sea, that swam around, that had fins and tails, we called them fish because they all lived in the water, which meant a shark would be a fish, a salmon would be a fish, but so would a whale or so would a seal or something like that, right? Now, over time, zoologists, the people who study animals, started to learn that there were some important differences between a whale and a shark. And they started to see, okay, these are different types of animals. So they reproduce in a different way. And whales are actually a lot more like us humans than they are like seahorses or sharks or rays or things like that. So we separated them out into different groups, right? We realized, okay, whales are actually mammals. They're like us, even though they're in the water. And fish, they're different. So let's go back to the idea of a planet. Well, before telescopes, our ancestors were able to study the sky and able to study space with their eyes. So they used uh, their eyes, they used math, and logic. Now what they were able to see was that there were these points of light and these points of light, depending on where you were in the world, they had different stories told about them, different names. Um, but generally there were two categories. There were the objects that seem, seem to stay still compared to each other, which is what today we would recognize as stars. They are moving, but they're moving so slow for, from our perspective that we don't notice it in a hu single human lifetime. We might see it in the star records over hundreds or thousands of years. But in a single human lifetime, you look up and you see the belt of Orion, those three stars that you see in the winter sky. If you're in the northern hemisphere, you'll see them in the summer if you're in the southern hemisphere. But they always look like they're right next to each other and they travel across the sky right next to each other. So that's what we thought of as the fixed stars. But then we had the wandering or the moving stars. There were these points of light that they seemed to move independent of each other. And they traveled along this very special line in the sky that we call the ecliptic. It's the path that it looks like the sun and the moon. And these few brighter points in the sky, sometimes they had a little bit of a color to them, like Mars was red, called the planets, where the planets were the wandering stars. Planet actually comes from the Greek word for wanderer. 
Now, it wasn't until about 400 years ago when telescopes were invented and Galileo looked up at these planets through a telescope that the realization was made that, wow, wait a second. These are other places in the same way that Earth is a place. Earth is a planet like those things. And if you were standing on one of those things looking back at Earth, Earth would look like a point of light in the sky as well. So this was this was coming about during a big shift in science's understanding of the universe. This was the same time period that we were having the Copernican Revolution, where we were learning that, oh, wait a second, the Earth isn't the center of everything. Everything isn't going around Earth. Earth and the other planets were going around the sun, although the moon is going around Earth that's going around the sun. So our understanding has continued to evolve and we found more and more and many different kinds of objects. And today we have a science called planetary science. Now planetary science is kind of a new science because it was born out of, it came out of astronomy and geology, but it isn't really quite either astronomy or geology. A planetary science is studying planets as actual places, understanding the geology, so the land of them, understanding the atmosphere, the air of them, how they as planets are and how they've changed and evolved over time. So on the one hand, you could say Galileo was the first planetary scientist, but really he was an astronomer. And planetary science didn't really start until the 1960s when humans started sending spacecraft to go to other planets and take photos of them and actually even start to land robots on other planets. And so that's when planetary science began. Now, today, if you ask a planetary scientist, what is a planet? Most planetary scientists will give you what's called the geophysical planet definition. And this means that this is how planetary scientists see and define a planet. So we say that a planet, let me see if I can, if I have this memorized, a planet is a substellar mass object which has never undergone nuclear fusion with sufficient self-gravitation to assume a spheroidal shape adequately described by a triaxial ellipsoid regardless of its orbital parameters. I think that's pretty close to it. Now that's a whole bunch of big old words squeezed in there. So what does that actually mean? It basically means that a planet is any object that is massive enough, it's made of enough stuff that gravity, there's that word again, gravity, right? That gravity has pulled it into the shape of a ball. Now it doesn't have to be a perfect sphere. We don't know of any perfect spheres. Earth's not a perfect sphere. Jupiter's not a perfect sphere. Even stars like the sun aren't perfect spheres, but kind of gotta be mostly ball shaped but it cannot be so massive that it becomes a star or was a star at some point in its life, meaning it can't be fusing at its core. It can't get so hot that it's smashing atoms together to make heavier and heavier atoms. So that is what most planetary scientists consider to be a planet. And that means there's lots and lots of different planets. I should mention that there is a definition that gets taught in a lot of textbooks and it's popular among astronomers, people who study stars, but not necessarily among 
planetary scientist. It doesn't get used. This definition, which is called the IU's definition, doesn't actually get used in any planetary science. And that definition has to do with clearing its orbit and being in orbit around the sun and has some other things like that, but that doesn't get used, right? That's not actually used in the real science. So that's why here, I want you to know about what the real science actually does. And so we say the geophysical planet definition is the one that actually gets used. Okay, that means though, there's a lot of things that are planets, right? The moon, well, it's ball shape, not a star. Excellent. There we go. It's a planet, right? And when we talk about dwarf planets, dwarf planets are just small planets. Gas giants are really, really big planets. So how do these objects form? Well, we as humans weren't around to see the formation of the planets in our own solar system. And we don't really have the technology yet to observe that happening in another system and not in the amount of time that it takes because we think for planets to form it takes millions of years so we haven't been around that long to be studying and watching this process so we have to use clues right and this is something remember scientists are actually detectives we have to use clues to figure out what happened right it's like a great mystery novel now there's a couple of different ideas about how planets might form. And there's lots of different sorts of planets. So planets might form in more than one way, depending on what kind of planet it is. So small planets like us, like Earth, so terrestrial and dwarf planets, probably form from a process called accretion. And this is a bottoms up process. This is a small to big. So gravity pulls little tiny bits of material together because that's what gravity does, right? It pulls, it pulls things in. It starts to clump those things together. And so maybe you have little bits of sand and that sand bumps in. It's the sand's just out in space, right? Space isn't really empty. There's a lot of stuff out there and it starts to bump together and it forms a little clump. And the clump is about the size of a rock. And eventually that rock gets close enough to another clump that they come together, gravity pulls them together and it makes something a little bit bigger. And then it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden we have things the size of mountains and things the sizes of cities. At that point, we start talking about them as planetesimals, the building pieces for planets. And it starts to get more and more and bigger and bigger and bigger until you get something that so, has so much mass that the weight of it from gravity actually pulls it in and squeezes it into that round shape, becoming a planet. Okay, so this is our accretion model and this is our bottoms up model. But remember we said there's other kinds of planets too. They are really, really massive. They're huge planets like Jupiter. Well, some planetary scientists think that there's just not enough time for those planets to have formed from the bottom-up process of accretion. And they may have formed from more of a collapse, from a top-down process, where there would have been a big cloud of material and that gravity pulled that, collapsed it in on itself, sort of the way stars form. Actually, very, pretty much the way a star would form, just on a much smaller scale than a star. And we don't know which one's right. The recent research has been leaning towards suggesting that Jupiter and Saturn formed from that collapse model. And outside of our solar system, there are lots of different kinds of planets. 
And there's an exciting kind of planet that planetary scientists will call a rogue planet or an unbound planet. And these are planets that don't have stars. Now, there could, these could have formed in a lot of different ways. There could be very small ones that are only the size of Earth that were formed around a star and then they lost their star just because of the way that they were interacting with the other planets. They got kicked out of their star system and now they're just orbiting freely in the galaxy without a star. But some of these ones, the ones, most of the ones we've found are really massive and they're just on the edge of being brown dwarfs, which is that in-between stage between a star and a planet. But from a planetary science perspective, as long as it's not fusing, as long as it's not massive enough that it becomes a brown dwarf, it's still a planet, but it could have formed from the nebula the same way stars form. So in a star forming area, stellar nursery, a big cloud of gas and dust, some of that cloud of gas and dust could have squeezed together and become this planet. Now, sometimes some stellar astronomers, you might hear them call them sub brown dwarfs. So a supermassive rogue planet and a sub brown dwarf may be the same thing. This is the thing with taxonomy. It takes us a long time to sort out exactly what to call things because we don't know what to call things until we really understand them. And this is such a new science. There's so much more for us to understand. So let's check back in 10 or 20 years, 50 years, 100 years from now. And the words that we're using to talk about these things will probably have changed a little bit as our understanding changes. Okay. So there's a lot of different ways that planets might have formed, places planets might have formed, and then different types of planets that form from that. But ultimately, it comes back to gravity. Gravity pulls material together. The more stuff you have in one place, the more and more that gravity is going to pull. And so eventually you get enough stuff piling together that it forms a whole planet. And there's a whole galaxy out there for us to explore, to find out about all of the different kinds of planets that there are, because we've only just started. All right, thank you so much for this wonderful question. Thank you all of us for joining us here on the podcast, learning about space and science together. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover, go ahead and have your folks send that into the description in the, to the email, excuse me, in the description. And as always, my friends, I hope you have dark skies and remember to stay curious.